0: morning everybody i am glenn the geek from ocala florida
3: and i'm jamie jennings and i'm in norman oklahoma and you're listening to horses in the morning on the horse radio network from march 11th episode 2389 brought to you by stateline tech good morning horse world
1: hey you made it to wednesday only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun lucky for you you have jamie and glenn to get you through on horses in the morning
0: well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we have a little more serious show for you than usual. It's killing Jamie. She she hates to be an actual reporter. Uh, but mm. uh, we'll get back to the silliness on Friday, and we're going to do our daily whinnies at the end of today's show, because we Which have-
3: will be potentially silly.
0: Yes, oh, yes, and mine's really a heartwarming story, so we'll liven it up toward the end. Uh, and uh, on today's show, we take a look at the recent indictments in the racing world, which came out immediately one second after our show was over on Monday.
3: It always does that. <sighs> And Always we, breaking news at, yes. you know, 1031 or yeah. whatever.
0: <laughs> and then we speak with Congressman Paul Tonko about his bill called the Horse Racing Integrity Act. Yes, we have a congressman coming on the show with us this morning. We have Professor Daniel Mills joins us from England to share with us his research on weaving. Uh, Jamie had a weaving horse here a while back, and I know some of our listeners do It's posted as well. And then also the coronavirus has started to affect the horse world in a big way. So we're going to cover that toward the end of the show. So we have a lot going on, but of course the big story is the indictments that came down in the horse racing world. More than two dozen racehorse trainers, veterinarians, and drug distributors were charged in a wide-ranging scheme to secretly dope horses and cheat the betting public, according to federal indictments that were unsealed Monday in Manhattan. Of the 27 people charged... Jason Service. You want to remind everybody who he is, Jamie?
3: He is the trainer of maximum... Wait, stop. He was the trainer of (laughs) maximum security. Of course, maximum security is the one that I bet, like, I don't know, a $1,000 on to win the derby, because I just knew he was going to win the derby, because why wouldn't he win the derby? He was totally going to win the derby, and he won the derby, and then uh, he ran into some horses and got kicked, and I didn't get my money back. Um, So, Jason Service... (laughs) owes me money is what I'm <laughs> getting at. So yeah, trainer of maximum security. He's the one that just won the freaking $10 million Saudi cup last weekend. So, um, he is uh, Jason services made some big trouble. Actually, I have a full list of names because, Nobody, nowhere could you find a full
0: list of names. Do you want me to read them off real quick? Well, hold, hold off. Let's let's continue. Uh, yes, I do, but in a minute. Um, let's just continue. So what they're saying is that Service and other people, not just him, uh, covertly administered performance-enhancing drugs to virtually all of the racehorses under his control from 2018 to February of 2020. And that's horses that entered more than a thousand races. So we're not talking, you know, a small backwoods trainer in, in at Penn National in Pennsylvania. Although, who knows? Maybe they're next. We might be. Yeah, exactly. So the FBI assistant director in charge of the New York office said during a news conference that federal agents were investigating a different case on a different topic altogether And they stumbled on this one. So basically what that comes down to is they were researching something else completely differently. My guess it had involved drugs in some way. That's my guess. And that they probably had wiretaps and they heard conversations and that led them down this path. And then what happened is they went and had got wiretaps and they've been working on the inside and apparently been working on this case for a while uh, and followed Followed the money, followed the drugs in this case, and that's where they came down arresting 27 people all at the same time. There are apparently many uh, many law enforcement agencies involved in this, the FBI, state police in various states, various uh, uh, the, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, obviously, and the federal office. There was a whole bunch of people involved in this. So it is not a small thing. This is one of the this is biggest not things to happen in a long time. This is
3: not regular performance-enhancing drugs either. This is they... We're working really hard to get performance-enhancing drugs that they don't have tests for. They're always morphing the way to cheat, right? So well, and, this and is just a new way to cheat. And Jennifer researched
0: it. that yesterday, and Jennifer, you said they actually put drugs in the cocktails. We'll call them cocktails. They put drugs in the cocktails to hide the bad drugs, right? They're masking them.
4: Well, the 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 point being that you give um illicit drug A to a horse, you have two things. You can, you can, they test for it or actually you have three things. Can they test for it? Do they test for it? And the third one is by giving drug drug illicit or otherwise B to the horse at a specific time, can you cover up the drug that they can or will test for? Those are the three different ingredients that I got out of reading through the indictments, which are in legalese, which I do not fully understand, but apparently they came at it from all three directions. Can Will they test for it? Because there is a test. Can they test for it? Because so, some jurisdictions test for a drug and some jurisdictions don't test for a drug, legal or otherwise. So it's a very, very complex process to go through all of this. And I encourage anybody who's curious about the details and how involved this really is and how difficult it is going to be to prosecute, to read through that because it was just cray-cray. Arthur Conan Doyle got nothing on these guys. Wow.
0: Jamie, instead of reading all the names right now, I, the most shocking thing are the quotes. On June, and I know you have some, but on June 5th, 2019, Maximum Security was drug tested at Monmouth Park in New Jersey as service was preparing him to run in the Pegasus Stakes. In a phone call intercepted by authorities with one of his veterinarians, Christian Rain, service indicated that Maximum Security had received a shot of the cocktail, a compound drug aimed at to enhance performance. So whether, whether there was a question about Max, Max, I saw that one post. Well, are we sure maximum security got him? Yes, is the answer.
3: And again, that's no fault to maximum security, man. I, I just, it's but do heartbreaking. You take,
0: but is it like, you know, is it like some of the cyclists and, and some of the other things that have happened? Do you take all those winnings away? Do you take his, you know, he was drugged.
3: Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they do. I mean, you could you could make an argument for taking that away, but then what if the second horse and the third, you know, there it's it just, it, this is a huge snowball that's about to start rolling down the hill if you start taking victories away from horses because then they, then the, the people have to pay that back and then they have to split that money between the second and the third and fourth. Oh my gosh, what a well, nightmare well, that will be.
0: You, you um, have probably one of those damning quotes, I think.
3: Oh my God. I have, I have, let me, let me just read a couple here. Um, On a March, 2019 phone call with Navarro. Service said, this is Jason Service, the trainer for maximum security, said, I've been using it on everything almost. And Navarro stated he had more than 12 horses on SGF 1000 before saying, I don't want to talk about it on the phone. Uh, there's a lot of curse words. Maybe that he should skipping. have
0: thought about that before he talked about it on the phone. Yeah,
3: you, you just did. <laughs> um, another guy, Grosso, uh, allegedly consulted with a guy named Guido. Of course, his name is Guido after an unidentified Guido runner suddenly died. Grosso suggested that Guido, quote, probably overjuiced him and said that horse deaths as a result of excessive doping are not unusual. Quote, I've seen that happen 20 times. It seems that, um... At least one owner was aware of Navarro's drug program because the indictment makes reference to a call with unidentified operators of a racing stable based in California about a horse named Nanush. The owner asked if Navarro was, quote, giving him all of the blank uh, and asking, is this horse jacked out? Is he on the pills or what? To which Navarro responded, everything. He gets everything. And then one intercepted phone call between Surik and Tenuza, which I'll go over those names in a second. Surik said, you know how many effing horses that effing Navarro killed and broke down that I made disappear? You know how much trouble he could get in if they found out. And this is in quotes, the six horses we killed.
0: (sighs) Dude. Yeah, there's no question they knew they were killing horses.
3: Oh, and they, they, they don't care. It's
0: allegedly.
3: Like, allegedly. We care. Well, allegedly quotation marks on phone calls that have been yeah, tapped. Recorded.
0: That
3: I mean, yes. <laughs> wasn't me. Um, so the list Jorge Navarro, Eric Garcia, Marcos Zulnet, Zuleta, Michael Tenuzzo, Gregory Skelton, Ross Cohen, Seth Fishman, Lisa Gianelli, Jordan Fishman, Rick Dane Jr., Christopher Oaks, Jason Service, Christian Rain, Michael Kegley. Alexander Chan, Henry Argueta, Nicholas Zurich, Rebecca Linke, and Christopher Marino. So far, those are the people that were indicted in this uh, case. Some of those names are very familiar and some are not. Those are veterinarians. Those are employees. Those are people behind the scenes that have hands on these horses. Those are drug runners. I mean, this is really really bad just so you know navarro and service have everybody has pulled their horses out of there there was tweets all day yesterday about the trailers coming in and getting their horses out and taking them away it remains to be seen who actually knows what and i'm sure that this is just going to keep going down but oh my gosh this is a total nightmare a total nightmare for everybody all the horses that have been dealing with this and the racing industry having to deal with this but you know Maybe this explains a lot of the crap that we had going on last year. How many of these horses have been well, going through this? I,
0: I will say that a report came out by the California Horse Racing Commission yesterday also uh, in, in the study about all the horses that died from December 30th, 2018 to March 31st, 2019, all those fatalities that happened in Santa Anita. And they determined that there were no illegal medications used on the animals in that 39 How do they
3: know They can't detect it. The whole point is it's undetectable. I'm,
0: I'm just telling you what the report said. They blamed it on the weather. I mean, that's what they blamed it on. And they, 19 of the 22 horses had catastrophic musculoskeletal injuries, CMIs, including proximal sesamoid bone fractures, which related to the racing and training intensity, which we've talked about before. Um, 21 of the 22 cases showed evidence of pre-existing pathology, which means they already had cracks in their bones by the time they raced. Uh, they have a 77-page report that they issued there, but basically they blamed it on the weather, and now I did notice that Santa Anita, anytime it's going to rain, they're can't, like this weekend, I think, they canceled races um but they're they're saying this was not drug related however mm-hmm. you're absolutely correct drugs they could test for or did test for obviously there could be drugs that they didn't test for uh, you know that's something i don't know but yeah, uh, they did
3: drug test they, they they blood tested all of those but you know what every horse that wins a race gets a blood test after the race anyway or a urine test or something including and they maximum have security det- including <laughs> maximum security and he passed all of them and yeah. they literally have said, we gave him all those drugs. And, and, oh my God, it just pisses me off. Cause that is a horse of a lifetime. That horse should be one of the great going down is one of the greatest race horses. And this is the drama that he's surrounded with one after another, after another, it's just heartbreaking. Well, the, the one thing good sucks.
0: thing I think out of all of this, the one good thing is that everybody's on notice now that somebody's paying attention. Uh, so so that is one good thing to come out of it and we're very lucky right now to have uh, Congressman Paul Tonko on of New York's 20th Congressional District that's the district lo- located in the capital of New York out near Albany and Schenectady and Troy and he has a bill that has been put out there I think for a year now the Horse Racing Integrity Act and we wanted to have him on to talk about this especially with everything going on today and con- Congressman Tonko thank you so much for joining us today
2: Oh, my pleasure, Glenn. It's great to uh, speak with you and Jamie and uh, share uh, my voice uh, of concern uh, on behalf of what is a tremendous industry that has deep history and is important to my district, my state, and the country's economy.
0: Now, you know, we're normally a light and lively, funny show that does entertaining stuff and then occasionally covers serious stuff, but we do cover racing. And I'll be honest, we have been in the last year, we have been talking less and less about racing because it just makes us uncomfortable too. Uh, we all have heard stories, you know, we're all horse people. We all hear stories about what goes on in racing and a lot of the other disciplines, to be honest, Congressman. Um, but we want, we like racing and, I, yeah, well, You know, that's no, the thing. We like it, but yet we're being for, right. forced to deal with things that make us uncomfortable as horse people.
2: Absolutely. And look, as a horse racing fan, the recent indictments, uh, for me, were both saddening and offer a proof point that the current system allows cheaters to prosper in the shadows of the sport. And that's unacceptable, and it's got to change.
0: Well, you, you now tell us about your, your bill. What's in the bill, and how will it help?
2: Well, basically, it establishes standardization, which is an important first step. It takes the 38 unique state racing commissions and speaks to them. Um, They each have different rules and regulations, and roughly half of all thoroughbred starts in the U.S. are from horses that compete in more than one state. So it makes sense to have a standardized process. What this does is create a balanced uh, vehicle, a structure where you have USADA. Uh, the United States Anti-Doping Agency that dealt with human athletes and doping. It allows that expertise and experience to fuse with a very varying bit of perspectives from the horse racing industry so that they will comprise this governance panel that will establish penalties, that will establish the standards, and make certain the enforcement uh, of these uh, standards is uh, taking hold so this is a good order of a balanced approach where you take experience from um, anti-doping efforts by the agency and by bringing fusing to the process the various perspectives of horse racing so we can have the industry uh in a sense self-governing but with that balanced
0: tool what why hasn't there been at this point why hasn't this happened up till now
2: Well, I think there's um, turf battles, perhaps, where people want to run their own commissions and have their own state perspective. There may be um, uh, pushback from various elements in the industry, but certainly by harmonizing disparate rule books and putting an independent, um, conflict-free regulatory body, I would say, in charge of enforcing the rules, we can certainly boost the integrity of the sport and instill confidence and those who love the sport. Uh, look, fans, uh, sports fans, uh, are very discerning. They have many, many choices. And if they don't see the integrity uh, in, in wrapped around this industry, they're going to go to some other sport interest. interest. And uh, I think um, it would be uh, the beginning of the unraveling of this industry. No sport can long thrive if it relies on FBI intervention to ensure the basic elements of fair and clean sporting. So this is uh, a very telling moment. Uh, I believe the industry needs to unite to secure passage of our Horse Racing Integrity Act uh, so as the, uh, that the viability of horse racing in the U.S. Uh, can go through this serious moment and remove the doubt which is important.
0: Ed Martin yesterday, the president and CEO of the association of racing commissioners said, this is huge and nobody needed a federal bill to make this happen as the rules and laws already make this activity illegal. And basically what he's saying is there's no law enforcement agency that wanted to enforce it before he's saying that the commissioners and various tracks and commissioners have gone to law enforcement. and Nobody cared. Um,
2: Well, I think it's about the enforcement. It's about, you know, the the standardization they will bring. Look, we have 244 co-sponsors. There's interest galore across the board, bipartisan. Uh, multi-geographic in um, the interest of this bill and it's well beyond the sponsorship numbers are well beyond the majority of the house and i'm confident that this news will help push us over the finish line because people believe there needs to be this protection look this is about focusing on the equine athlete the epicenter of it all that athlete and the jockeys are at risk if we don't have standardized testing and the uh, enforcement of penalties that will accompany those standards. Um, it's an industry that has great impact on our economy. Um, it's, this is simply not a sports issue. It's an economic one. Uh, the industry generates, they tell me, over $26 billion in direct economic impact uh, for our nation. And uh, if I personalize it to my home state, it's about $5 billion. So the 146,000 plus jobs created from direct spending in the horse industry are indeed important, and we're speaking to that fact.
3: Hey, I'm all about it. Anything to start to clean this up and make me proud to, you know, right now it's like it, uh, there's no pride in, in in liking horse racing now because there's so much shady stuff going on. If you can get this to pass, fantastic. I'm all for it. Who is going to pay for this?
2: Well, this is uh, paid for by the industry. There's no government... Uh... Uh, investment here. Uh, there's government involvement to establish the standards, or, or excuse me, to establish the legislation, but even the standards will be established by this governance panel, which again brings great balance to the equation.
3: Okay, so they, the horses go and they get drug tested to make sure that everything is at. Who pays for that? Does the trainer pay for it? Does the owner pay for it? Is that just part of the uh, racing fees now? I want to see. I just there want to see be, how it's going to get enforced.
2: The payment itself will be absorbed by the industry. Um, it you know there will not be any contribution um, made by the federal government, and every state will determine how that um, uh, effort is made.
0: You know, I'm glad. I I agree with Jamie. I think that something needs to be done. You know, perception is everything. You know, we're going to be talking—guess what we're talking about next is coronavirus in the horse world and how it's affecting our, you know, our horse world. That's our next topic, right? So, and it's all perception with that, and it's perception with this, too. And if we don't—if we're not—I hope this has a ton of teeth, and— but if just perception-wise we need to do something, or or the pitas of the world, we're not going to have horse racing.
2: Right. I agree uh, very much with you, Glenn. I think it's uh, perception determines reception in this case. Again, it goes to that large group of discerning fans that will find some other area to insert their interest and uh, their investment. And, uh, you know, we just need to clean this up. We also ban, I should share with you, all medications within 24 hours of a race. That's part of the legislation. And that includes Lasix. Uh, So it brings the United States in line with the rest of the world when it comes to that medication use.
3: Awesome. Yeah, I mean the fact that we can still give horses medication in this country when no, no other, no other countries are are doing this. Everybody is so far ahead of us in other countries, and they
0: have a quarter of the death rate we do with their horses.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And you know, again, this is about fairness. This isn't just about. Um, cleaning up the sport and enhancing the perception, which I agree is very important. But it shows awesome respect and concern for the equine athlete that, um, you know, if if a human athlete wants to do the drug thing, take on the risk, take on the uh, embarrassment and the consequences these horses aren't making these decisions. So, you know, the equine athlete needs to be protected as do the jockeys. I know jockeys have communicated to us that they uh, they retired earlier than intended simply because of their concerns for public safety. So, you know, this well, is their uh, own safety. long overdue. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They're yes. riding the horse this, this that's going to
0: collapse. Long... Right. Yeah.
2: Abs- absolutely. So, this is long overdue. Um, we're we're Helped, I think, by this uh, recent news, uh, but certainly deeply saddened. But it speaks to the justification and the validation of uh, this effort for uh, legislative reform.
3: When are we going to see this go through?
2: Well, we've had a hearing in the Energy and Commerce Committee to which it's been directed. It's assigned to that committee. We are hoping that very soon we'll have a markup and then can go to the floor.
0: Do you see uh you said you have a majority now you you don't think it's going to have any why would somebody not pass this <laughs> it's like
2: um i i think there would be a lot of support i would uh I would think there would be very little opposition unless some of the counter forces reach their individual legislators mm-hmm. and uh, representatives and convince them of their way.
0: And it's it's one of the very few bills in the world that's bipartisan. You have Andy Barr, you're a Democrat, but you have Andy Barr, uh, a Republican from Kentucky, uh, on Kentucky it with you too. Yeah. A
2: Republican? Yeah. Dude, right. Just and tell him how
3: us- much, tell him, tell him, okay, this is how much horse racing makes your state. And this is like how much you would lose if we stopped in your state and this is how you know this is not going to cost the federal government any money i mean it's a win-win
2: it certainly is and uh most importantly those victimized by this the equine athlete and jockeys will have a safer tomorrow and that's uh building hope for the industry which has a deeply rooted history and heritage for many of our regions in the country um You know, great stuff that's written. Saratoga uh, Racetrack is in the district that I represent. Um, Tremendous stakes winners over the years. And, you know, just all wonderful industry that needs to be uh, addressed, I think, by this runaway doping that um, has just uh, allowed for cheaters to prosper. Well, uh, I think there's a
0: few cheaters that are still cheating in this industry that didn't sleep last night. Um, and let's hope well, that makes it has an effect, too. Right. Um, well, we sure hope so. Yep. Let me ask how what how can our listeners what can they do to help this move along?
2: I think they should call their individual legislators, ask them to sponsor the bill if they yet have not, and then to get behind the bush, because with uh, public sentiment on your side, I agree uh, with former President Lincoln that the people decide what gets done, and they still do generate the activity.
0: What? Okay, so before I let you go, our next topic later on, as I said, is coronavirus. How concerned are you? I just noticed that the New York half marathon got canceled You know, I'm concerned for the economic impacts in our world, you know, in the horse world, uh, all the way down the the food chain. Uh, And I'm sure you have to be concerned in every which way.
2: Absolutely. And I would just hope that on the federal level, on the national scene, we would submit to the thinking of scientists like Dr. Fauci and agencies like um, the CDC to guide us and to not turn this into a political messaging that is, Built on um, half truths at times. Um, we need to embrace the evidence. We need to put together a plan that really has all Americans, all members, uh, all residents of the U.S. responding accordingly. Um, it's common sense efforts, it's investing in the vaccine, it's investing in treatment, um, testing, um, making certain that testing is available, that it's not unaffordable, I think that's where we need to go right now.
0: Well, um, we're obviously all concerned about that, and, and we're going to be watching it very closely here as it relates to the horse world. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Congressman Tonka. We really appreciate it. And please, I know your office is keeping me informed. That's, uh, that's how I uh, heard about it on Monday. And we're going to keep an eye on it, and we'll have you back on as there's any changes that happen in getting this through.
2: Perhaps. Absolutely. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Jamie. All right. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to share thoughts with you, and uh, let's get this one done. It's let's important. Let's
0: do it. All right. Let's
5: do it. Thanks, okay. Bye. All
2: right. Bye. Okay. Thanks.
5: Wouldn't that <sighs> be a,
0: great? I mean, there's. we could talk about this all day, uh, and we probably will, by the way, for auditors. We're, we we didn't plan what we're going to talk about in our post-show, but I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of things Jamie and I that haven't said yet. Um. But, uh, you know, again, I I don't know how much teeth this bill has, but we've got to do something. I mean, we're doing nothing now and it's not working.
3: Who would vote against this? I mean, seriously. If well, you no,
0: nobody wants more oversight if you're already on a, 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 you know, if you're already on a commission, a racing commission. They don't want anybody else looking over their shoulders, right? It's a turf war. He said it's right. It's a turf war and the racing commissions have always had their own little fiefdoms in all the little states and now they don't they don't want anybody looking over them especially well, that, somebody on the federal level
3: that needs so, to end yeah
0: i'm not arguing you know, with you i'm just i telling. mean
3: th- this basically would ban all use of medications within 24 hours of 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 a race and re- require full disclosure to breeding stock purchasers the, <laughs> the wagering public is self-regulatory organization responsible for creating and implementing an anti-doping program for the entire horse racing industry? Provides increased safety for the welfare of horses, jockeys, and drivers. There's just, I mean, who would be like, mm, you know what? I really don't want this. I want them to keep getting away with drugging horses. It, it just, it, the word's integrity that's in the act. So, I, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm missing something, but it seems like a no-brainer to me.
0: All right. Well, we'll continue the conversation a little bit later. But now we have to talk about state line tack. Then we're going to talk about weaving—that's horses weaving, not the kind of weaving that your grandmother did. And then also the coronavirus. We're going to chat about what's going on—a whole lot going on in the horse world with that right now. Yes,
3: I'm going to share a story.
0: Oh, did you get it? You know what sounds like? Are you coughing? (laughs) <laughs> I do We shouldn't make fun of that because uh, I just went to a convention. So. <laughs> um, yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah, Stateline Tech, they right now have, if you go to their website and click on the big banner that says Fly Control by Kensington. <clears throat> yes, that's right. It is fly season. And there's a, l- I mean, I saw it was 70 degrees in Maine. So the flies are going to be coming out all across the country and you need to take a look at that fly sheet that your pony totally trashed last year and take a look at replacing it. Kensington oh, has a ton of fly protection now. They used to have the fancy sheets and that was it, you know that they uh they looked so good and they didn't that's all, you know they were just for fancy horse shows, but now they have fly sheets. They have boots, they have fly masks and their boots are probably one of the most uh popular things i've seen is the kensington uh, fly all boots. my
3: horses wear fly boots Do they? The, the kensington yeah. ones because they don't fall down they don't collapse around the ankle they stay up and uh oh yeah yeah so many
0: the fly boots are like a sock and then when you come out they're just all down around the ankle All yes up. Yeah.
3: just like when you get all that that your loose sock falls down in
0: your shoe that sucks yeah um, these are so they yeah. kind of look like mini shipping boots don't they they're fly boots the,
3: they do, but they're, uh, they're lighter than they, they look in the pictures. Um, but no, I, you know, the problem is when the flies to get them, all the horses just start stomping. And then if you have horses, especially like I have a lot of barefoot horses here and then they tear up their feet and it's hot and it's dry in the summer and they start stomping and then they tear up their feet or lose shoes. These, uh, I want my horse to look like it, this horse on the picture by the way. It's like a giant black Frisian, like galloping by with the Kensington fly sheet and the mask. (laughs) The only thing
0: else it needs is the boots. I love it. And they're, they're fairly inexpensive. And the other nice thing about their boots, I mean, they're they're between 25 and $35, depending on the size, but they have mini fly boots. They have horse fly boots. They have pony fly boots and they have draft fly boots. So they have all the sizes for all the different size horses. A lot of times you only see them in horse size and then scooter can't have them, but uh, scooter hat can have these because they they come in pony size. And so can Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby can have them too because they come in mini fly boot size. Find them all at StatelineTAC.com right now. Click on the big banner, Fly Control Solutions by Kensington. All right, we're going to switch gears a little bit uh, and get out of talking about drugging and talk about weaving. You had a horse a little while ago that was a weaver. And we're going to add into the conversation here... Uh, that horse is no longer at the barn, right? That's one of the ones that pass got It moved, moved is. Along. It is not
3: at my barn anymore. She has been adopted. Oh, good. Yay. Yeah.
0: All right, but uh, so Professor Mills, who's out of the UK, the University of Lincoln, he's a professor of veterinarian behavioral medicine, uh, has studied weaving for a very long time.
3: I, I begged for somebody. I begged Jennifer to find somebody who is an expert on weaving because. I put out a question, how do I fix this? And, like, no, nobody had Crickets. an answer. <laughs> Crickets. Crickets,
0: yeah. It's like, which is what happens with certain uh, conditions like weaving.
3: Yes. All right. Th- uh, Professor Mills?
6: Morning,
0: afternoon, Good- whatever it is there.
3: <laughs> it's sort of morning, I guess. I don't know. What time is it there?
6: It's half past two in the afternoon.
3: Okay, well then we didn't wake you up or anything, so that's good. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, I just was telling everybody that I had a horse come in for training. That, I mean, poor thing. I just felt so bad for her brain because I just she just weave and weave, weave back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I really was. I, I started reaching out to people around like why do they do this? How can I fix it? And nobody had any answers. And uh, is it Dr. Mills or Professor Mills?
6: Uh, whichever. doesn't matter. I have a PhD. I'm also a professor. <laughs> yeah. All of those Which things. Professor okay. Dr. Mills. Is
0: easiest. We're going to go Daniel's with Professor easier. Doctor. Yeah.
3: I <laughs> do, so Dr. Mills, tell us, um, first of all, in case somebody doesn't know, what is weaving?
6: So weavings generally when um, a horse is confined and it sort of rocks from side to side, you might see the head sort of swaying quite a lot. Uh, Sometimes what the horses do, they sort of seem to be walking on the spot as well. Um, Sometimes they seem quite stationary with their feet, but because they're swaying their head so much, they are actually shifting weight between their feet and because of the way the head moves also between their front feet and their back feet as well. Okay.
3: We got, we've got, that was a really good picture to paint. Why the hell did they do it?
6: Okay. So the first <laughs> thing I think to appreciate is that um, it's, these repetitive behaviors in horses, they are remarkably common, and we shouldn't all lump them as one type. You know, people often say, well, it's a stereotypy, and stereotypies are due to boredom. One of the problems is if you make those sorts of generalizations, then your understanding becomes very general. Um there's some really sort of fascinating work and there's a couple of important things to appreciate because there may be different forms of weaving with different for different uh uh slightly different sort of underlying mechanisms. So you're probably also familiar with cribbing, crib biting, yeah?
4: mm mm-hmm. When yes. a horse
6: grabs an object and appears to swallow air and things like that. That's also called a a stereotypic behavior or a stereotypy one of the problems in the scientific literature i don't know how long we've got to talk about this but i could talk for all day long Um, um, but i'll speak fast because i'm speaking to americans aren't i so you can cope with with it quick but anyway so one of the problems is some of the work fundamental work has been done on cribbers and people have then said this applies to stereotypies in horses and it doesn't it seems to be that cribbing is quite different what's going on in the horse's brain cribbing seems to have much bigger changes in the horse's brain than weaving. That said, there may be a form of weaving and if your listeners have a horse that fits this profile it'd be quite interested. If you've got a horse that seems to weave in the middle of a field where there are no barriers, that may be like a lot of horses that are cribbing. It basically means that the behavior has become completely divorced from the triggers. But the vast majority of horses that weave and in the work we've done, we've had horses that have been weaving for 11 years and we have introduced a mirror into the stable and they stopped within 24 hours. And actually what that tells us is that the vast majority of horses that are weaving are still responding to the environment. And we think that basically what it represents is frustrated locomotion. So the horse wants to engage with something, but it can't because it's, locked in by a stable door half a stable door and so it's motivated you know and starts to take those steps but can't go anywhere now if you think about it horses evolved as plain living herbivores with big open spaces their brains are not probably very well adapted to solving barrier type problems it's just the way you know the environment they've been brought up with Mm -hmm. Um, even from an evolutionary point of view now, what we think happens with a weaving horse is something motivates it to want to be out of the stable and it can't do it. And so it tends to walk on the spot and it does the shaking of the head. And the more you do a behavior, you know, if you write, you know, if you can remember the first time you got on a horse, you, you focused on not falling off, probably. Yeah. Right. As you become a more skilled horseman or horsewoman, so things naturally become easier. Your balance becomes better and things like that. That's a normal process. That what the brain does is as you learn a skill, so you start to sort of streamline. The more you do it, you know, if you play tennis, you get your serve right. You practice it again and again. It becomes easier to do. Right. So the brain is naturally geared up to this streamlining process. That if you do something again and again, it simplifies it. Now, if you think about it, you've got the horse that wants to be outside, and he can't get outside, so he's sort of walking on the spot. And over time, what we think happens is that starts to streamline a little bit.
3: It becomes, are you
6: saying, like, it becomes habitual? Yeah, it sort of becomes habitual, but it often can become simpler as well.
0: Oh, so it becomes now, easier. L- it's easier just to, to move my deck back do it and forth again than and my whole again, body. Exactly. Yeah. So, you need, yeah. so you
6: need less and less stimulation to do it. So the horse does it more and more. So... That's one of the things that we think goes on. Now, the neat thing is we found many years ago that if you put a stable in the mirror or give them increased social contact, then the weaving drops down markedly, assuming this is a horse that likes other horses. And again, you know, after we did our work on the mirrors, we had some people contact us and said, well, the mirror doesn't work for me. And we've talked to them and they said, well, yeah, my horse doesn't like other horses. Well, it's probably not a good idea then to show it another horse.
3: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Why why, why does the mirror work? It just makes them think that they have another horse in the stall with them?
0: So
6: the the thing with the mirror, um, as we've sort of done the work over the years, our views have slightly changed. Initially, we thought it was something specific about the social stimulus. My thinking now is actually it's just a distraction because the horse is focused on something outside. When it sees another horse, And that's why the position of the mirror is quite important. You put it quite close to the entrance of the stable. So when the horse is about to weave, it can see that other interaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can see the other horse and it breaks off into another interaction. Particularly for weaving, other forms of distraction may reduce weaving as well. So it's not specifically about the horse. It just so happens that the image of a horse is quite an interesting thing for a horse and it enables it to switch off. Because it's got into this state whereby it just gets fixated on something. Does that make sense?
3: Yes. So the horse that I was dealing with, doctor, uh, would weave in the stable, but she only came in like two or three hours a day to eat and she would eat and then weave. And then I put her out in a pasture with her friend and she's walked. She's walked the fences. So she never had any rest.
6: Yeah, so fence walking is is a slightly different condition. They are related, but it is a different condition when, with fence walking. Um, uh, you know, quite often you see fence walking more commonly on the relatively small paddocks or if they're relatively barren paddocks. If you're restricting grazing and factors like that, but again, it's about frustration of locomotion. Certainly in the UK, if you pick up most books on designing your stable block, they say. Put all the stables facing in so the horses can see each other so they've got some company. Mm-hmm. That's probably the worst thing you can do if you think about it. Imagine really? your favorite cake is in front of you and it's under a massive glass dome that you can't lift up. How are you going to feel? I've got all the cues of another horse across the yard, but I can't interact with you because horses want to groom each other and things like that. So in behavior, we we talk about two phases of behavior. There's the sort of... Um, what we call the appetitive phase. As you start to do something, you keep doing it and you get positive feedback. And then when you achieve your goal, you get to what we call the consummatory phase. That's when you get negative feedback. So again, you know, if you're going to, um, if perhaps you're doing some work at home, if you're just about to start the work and your partner says to you, let's go out down to the restaurant, you might say, yeah, that's fine. But if you've got into it by 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, then you're going to find it harder to say, no, I just want to finish this up. You know, you're going to want to finish it off because mm-hmm. you're in that, you're in that uh, appetitive phase when you've got positive feedback. If you're close to the end, you'll say, yeah, okay, we'll go, but in about 10 minutes. And we have that sort of cycle. And the problem with weaving is the horses are getting caught in that early phase of positive feedback. So it becomes more and more intense as well. And that's what we think is going on in this situation. So you need quite powerful distractors to break them out of the cycle.
3: So do you think that having a fully closed enclosed stall would, would take away some
6: weaving? Well, the problem is then what is, what is there for the horse? From an evolutionary point of view, you know, brains, brains have evolved. Partly the big challenge that they have is how do I do everything I have to do in the time available? That's sort of in the wild situation. I've got all these priorities that I have to do. How do I prioritize them? Sounds in like the situation. Yeah, well, in <laughs> so the domestic it's a situation, though, it's slightly different. Actually, if you feed the horse, you limit its reproductive opportunities, you water the horse, then actually the, the brain is faced with an unusual problem. How do I fill the time of day? And it becomes much harder. So that's why enrichment, I think, for horses that are kept in stalls, are really important. What's an interesting bit of work done by um, another group found that horses kept in tie stalls next to each other showed hardly any weaving and things like that because they could interact with the horse next door. Now, a lot of people would look at that and say, well, that's a much more barren environment. That's not good for the horses. But they've got that opportunity to interact, whereas in a small box, and there's a great danger that we're anthropomorphic about it, and we, you know, we see it and we think sort of, well, that looks comfy and cozy. Yeah, it does from a human point of view. But remember, horses want to see big horizons. They want to know they're safe. Um, they they want that space. So actually, confinement can be quite intimidating to a lot of horses.
3: Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, I I wouldn't think closing them up would help at all. Um, no. But you're saying that looking out, they still weave. And it's interesting to note that the horse that weaved in my house had, his, had her head out. We have the Dutch door, so the top door opens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she would hang her head out this do- the, the top of the door and weave. And when yeah. I closed the door, she didn't weave.
6: So we did some work. We never published this bit of work, because it, it was quite complicated, uh, the analysis, and sort of because of the complications, the sample sizes were quite small. We looked at the effect of, yeah, putting up bars to stop the horses weaving, okay, on horses. And we saw, first of all, we saw two effects. We saw those horses that just seemed to take a few steps back and in effect weave, but no longer with their head outside the door. Mm -hmm. So from the outside, it looks like the horse has stopped weaving, but the horse is doing it. He's just doing it inside the box. Right. Yeah. Then you had those horses that didn't seem to weave. Now, the... This is where the real complication comes. We also looked at the heart rate of these horses. And what we found is that those horses that were not weaving because the grills were up and they had stopped as opposed to weaving behind the grill, at about the time when you would expect them to start weaving just before they're being fed, their heart rates went up a lot more than the others. As if they were, you know, even more frustrated with the situation. So we've got to distinguish between what we see and, you know, what we think might be going on in the horse's head uh, in those situations.
3: Wow. I mean, this is like big brain. stuff. this is just so basically what you're saying is they're they're just going to. Can we can we stop it? Can we fix it? What, what, right. What's the end? What's the end result of your study?
6: So I think that um, I think the key thing here is to think about enrichment. You know, and enrichment is not actually a complex environment. Enrichment is basically unexpected positive reinforcement. Something nice happened and I wasn't expecting. it. That's enriching. It's not Mm -hmm. about having more complex environments. So you will see lots of toys on the market, you know, boredom busters and things like that. They're quite interesting because, again, if you look at some of the feeding toys for horses where they have to manipulate them to get food out, it will reduce some of these repetitive behaviours, but it will also make some, and particularly things like cribbing, quite often those horses will get worse because that's, cribbing is associated with the frustration of feeding. So giving them, if you're a horse, it's not difficult to find your food. Turn your head down. Oh, there it is. It's mm-hmm. called grass. Yeah? Yeah. So most of the foraging devices, they were originally developed for pigs or pigs' roots. They can't see their food and whatever. So it's, it's sort of, you know... Um, so from that point of view, we've got to think very carefully. We want unexpected positive reinforcement. How can we do that? And there are people who are now start starting to develop brain games for horses and things like that. So there are manipulations that they can do, and they want to be varied. Um, so again, it doesn't become just a habit, and they can be much more enriching. As I said, the, the stable mirror can work very well. Um,
3: how, about, how about a suggestion I got from uh, Monty Roberts was to just get a goat would that yeah. be something
6: yeah. <laughs> social, social companions? Absolutely. You know, they, they adapt well. Yeah. But then you're stuck with companions. a goat. I, I mean, know there that's there. what I
3: told him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not getting a goat.
6: <laughs> Goats are good. Goats are good. Just get a small horse or whatever. There's yeah. yeah. plenty of retired horses that need a home. I'm sure, you know, <laughs> oh, certainly in the you'll. UK, you No, know, get a donkey. Um, so, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, they, they are herd animals. And, you know, this sort of thing can be really important. The the p- social partners and what we call social buffering effects. So the presence of another horse reducing the stress of, you know, of, uh, of situations. And actually, that's the sort of relationship that we want uh, with horses as well. And it's really important, I think, that owners grasp this, that Um, Social buffering comes from knowing that this individual will keep you safe and secure. So we've got to look at how we interact with the horse. And, okay, yeah, you know, horses can be annoying at times. But if we, you know, lose our cool, then how does the horse know he's safe with us? And our ability to help reduce the stress of the horse in stressful situations is undermined by that. And this is, you know, this is a potentially really big problem because a lot of people quickly turn to the crop or whatever, to try and tell the horse off. And that's not what the horse needs. The horse needs to know, I'm safe with you. And then actually, you know, it's much more likely to engage with what we want. Violence um, is never the answer, doctor. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, that, that's um, one of the things, you know, sometimes when we put horses into bitless bridles, and, and there are some pretty severe bitless bridles, and I'm not talking about those types, I'm talking about the spirit types, you know, Bob Cook's types. And it's so often you hear people say, oh, I feel I've got no control over the horse. And I'm thinking, that tells me you weren't riding properly. You know, Mm -hmm. if you think you need the bit to control the horse as opposed to communicate with the horse, you know, bits, heels, position, leg aids, they're all about communicating with the horse. They're not about forcing the horse to do things. True. Uh, well, that's a whole another
3: topic we could cover for <laughs> another hour, for sure. So uh, we've got we've run out of time. But where can people get a hold of you or read your research?
6: I mean, if they go to the University of Lincoln, the UK, this is University of Lincoln, UK, not Nebraska, because there is a University of Lincoln, <laughs> Nebraska. Um, if oh, if they Google Daniel S Mills um, veterinary behavior, they'll probably find me. They'll get to the university webpage. There's a big list there of my publications, and we hold most of them in a repository. We can make them available free. Some of them are available free on Google Scholar as well. If you, if you sort of put horse behavior um, and my name, you may well come across a number of the papers there as well. We'll put
0: a link in our show notes too. I have that link, so we'll put it in our show notes as well. Uh, you know, now all I can think about is the cake I can't get to. That's what, I, that's what I've been <laughs> no, thinking so about great. for 20 minutes yeah. now. <laughs> but it's, I think it is a useful analogy
6: I think. Oh it, it yeah, it got the point realize, across. Then you know? <laughs> yeah.
3: well, one's cake so right.
6: he wants what he the can have. <laughs> but I think one of the just if I, just grab a few more minutes if I can, you know, the fact that the mirror doesn't make the weaving worse means that horses don't copy weaving. Because if uh. they were weaving and they saw another horse weaving, that should make it worse and it doesn't. It stops it.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Too.
6: So so you know, this idea that the horses are copying Um, I don't think is the story it's it's the fact that you know they're just motivated to engage so again if we think like that then we can improve the well-being of horses
3: yeah, well, you think about copying. The thing about copying behaviors is that I don't think they're copying. They're just all having to live the same way and Absolutely. deal with it the same yeah. way. So, yeah, always people say, "Oh, all my horses in my 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 barn crib. And they all copied this one horse." No, maybe you should reconsider the way that you're housing your horses.
6: Hmm. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Well, we we have right We out were of the time. ones with the big brains. We need to find the novel ways to these problems and challenges.
3: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Mills, thank you so much for being on with us. We're going to post that link. Somebody can go check it out and get a hold of it if they need to. And I, uh, and I'll hope to uh, have you on again very soon. Yeah.
6: It's been a pleasure. Lovely. Take care. Bye-bye. Have a good day.
0: Well, next up, we're going to hear from our friends at green flower botanicals, and then we're going to come back and talk about viruses. So we've gone from drug illicit drugs to a uh, horse behavior to C B D oil and then viruses. It's been quite a day here on Horses and to Stick around. <laughs> and now our own doctor Wendy Ying speaks with Roger from Greenflower Botanicals in a series we call CBD Oil one oh one.
5: In our continuing series on CBD oil, we're going to discuss how we can use CBD oil to help us with arthritis and sports injuries in people, horses, and dogs. Roger, how can we use this as part of our protocol to help with arthritis pain? First of all, probably one of the
1: main things CBD is known for is its anti-inflammatory properties. And of course, that ties right in with its analgesic, you know, pain-relieving properties. You can take the oil sublingually, uh, the tinctures that we sell. Uh, you can also apply the oil directly to the skin. And then, of course, we also sell um, lotions for that. But it's highly, highly effective. It's probably one of the main reasons uh, that people are purchasing CBD out there today. works wonderfully for dogs. Uh, we have our dog using it for hip dysplasia and really any kind of joint and mobility Uh, we'd certainly recommend that people at least give CBD a try because for a lot of people, it just is just this side of of miraculous. So it seems.
5: And we we know that with traditional non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, there are a lot of side effects like gastric ulcers or liver and kidney damage. Is CBD oil much safer than those other options?
1: Yeah, that's really kind of beauty of it. I mean, it's just it's a whole plant extract, has all these wonderful omega fatty acids in it and other trace cannabinoids and things, and actually CBD very soothing to your gastric system. So there's just really no side effects whatsoever, uh, nothing compared to NSAIDs or other popular um, pharmaceuticals that people might be using.
5: And for the topical products, Can that help with like, you know, we're talking about inflammation, that can help with our skin diseases, like maybe hot spots in dogs?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, your skin the largest organ on your body, but the skin is full of all kinds of little hungry receptors that just love the application of these cannabinoids, which is, is what CBD is. It's a cannabinoid. So very, very healthy for all kinds of skin conditions, including even acne and things of that nature.
5: You know, I personally had great results from using the cream on my tennis elbow. It really made a big difference. And also, I didn't have to use as much because I was using it right directly on the spot of the paint. So this is really wonderful, Roger. How can people find out more about Greenflower Botanical products?
1: Sure, that's real easy. You just go to greenflowerbotanicals.com. You can see all of our products there, uh, whether it's tinctures or or topicals if you use a coupon coupon code hrn we give 20 percent off to uh our hrn listeners
0: if you show your horses please check with your federation on the legal use of cbd oil thank you to greenflower for their continued support of horses in the morning well uh coronavirus so I said, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and then last week, been talking about it about once a week, and I said that, it, you know, forget people getting sick and dying. I mean, that's bad. I'm not saying that's not bad. That's bad. But the real effect of this was going to be economically, and, and we're starting to see that now in the horse world. I'm going to be doing posts as often as I can on the Horses in the Morning Facebook page. I did one this morning if you want to go check it out and share it. Uh, of all the events that have been canceled so far. Uh, And we're talking some big things. So the American Quarter Horse Association announced cancellation of its convention. That is the largest convention in the horse world. The American Quarter Horse Association it has about 300,000 members and they do one of the largest conventions now. They do get people coming in from around the world, too. So I'm, uh-huh. I'm sure that was one of their concerns. That was supposed to be in Vegas as well. So we're going to see how much this affects Vegas here coming up uh, in the future. The Yonkers, we had our first death in the horse world. Uh, Yonkers horseman John Brennan died of coronavirus. Uh, that, the Yonkers, of course, is in New York. Uh, they canceled racing there. That's standard Bird racing. They canceled racing there for the next couple of days. The president of the racing association there that John worked with is now sick. And he's not young either. Um, so uh, I think this john brennan who died was in his 70s maybe uh but the apparently it's word has gotten out that the president is now sick they thought he either got it from where john did or he got it from john i'm not sure where john got it from so that's you know one of those questions too The Emirates Racing Authority announced that spectators were banned from meets in the United Arab Emirates for several days. I think we're going to see a lot of that happening with horse shows, and otherwise is they'll try and run the show without spectators. We're we're seeing that now in sporting events. Um, I think it
3: was LeBron James that was like... You're going to make us play basketball with no crowds? Yeah, would I'm not playing. that be different? <laughs> he said he wouldn't do it. He's like, nope,
0: not well, going to do that. Well, get your energy from that. I think baseball could do it because it's so boring anyway. Oh, but, you hush. But, but I'm not sure about basketball. I had to get that in. I was waiting to use that You know
3: model. what? Go to an Atlanta Hawks <laughs> game and you'll see nobody in the crowd anyway. So <laughs> Can't be done.
0: <laughs> the U.S.E.F. issued a letter yesterday saying they're keeping an eye on things. Things are going forward for the U.S.E.F. events as planned, but they're obviously keeping an eye on things. Um, now, in Paris, they have uh, you're not allowed to have any kind of event over, uh, I think it's uh, 1,000 people. So they've canceled one of the big show jumping events in Paris. The Longines Masters in Hong Kong, of course, trying to shut down. So... Uh, that one has been uh, canceled. Land Rover three-day event, the one everybody's waiting to hear.
3: Dude, I'm freaking out.
0: Well, this is the scoop. This is what I believe in watching all of this and thinking logically about it. So what we have is a bunch of cities. Washington State now has said that nobody can have gatherings of more than 250 people. That includes church so why
3: does the number. That, that's such a weird number. Well,
0: this is Seattle where all the deaths are happening. So but my my problem with this is if you're going to have a gathering with 250 people and this is supposed to hit maybe 10 percent of the population, you still got even if you had one person at that gathering. That's what I'm saying.
3: Like yeah. such a such a. Obligatory number, it's an like arbitrary
0: just thing. It's arbitrary. It's just a, maybe That's they're just something. playing the odds, but there was a biotech conference in Boston that came out yesterday that 70 cases have now come out of that conference. So I think if we see one or two more of these, you're going to see every, well, we are seeing every conference in the world canceled right now, but you're going to see nothing. It, it, as soon as you get 70, 80, 90 cases out of one location, nobody's going to want the liability. You know, people think it's because people are worried about getting sick. It's because the organizer's worried about getting sued. So that's what where the big thing comes in. We just had a marathon cancel in New York City. Um, so... I, I think where you're going to see whether three-day, whether Land Rover happens or not, is going to come down to the state of Kentucky and the city of Lexington. And, you know, that's many—how many weeks away is that? That's maybe eight weeks, seven weeks away. So there's a lot of time. This thing's ramping up daily now. I think you mentioned earlier testing kits are becoming more available, so we're finding out a lot more people have it than than we ever knew before because they just couldn't be tested. Uh, hospitals— okay. Are just going crazy right now, trying to figure out where they're going to put everybody. Because ten percent of the people who are getting this end up in the hospital. So that's a large number. That's what makes it different than the flu and worse than the flu. I hate these reports that keep saying, "Well, it's not as bad as the flu." Well, it is because if you're exposed to it, you have a ninety-nine percent chance of getting it. Now, many people just get a cold or you know light symptoms, but then there's the the large you know that large larger than normal number that are going to end up in the hospital. Uh, And the other big thing is it can live outside the body on a surface for up to seven days. That's just, I tell you, I wasn't touching escalators. (laughs) I was trying not to touch anything at this hotel, which is harder than it sounds, by the way. I'm um, not very good at that. You know, they say Did don't you touch- see
3: the video of the lady who's like, she's giving some sort of talk and she's got all these papers and she's telling everybody about the coronavirus and how important it is to keep your hands washed and do not touch your face, do not did, touch right your then. eyes, do not touch your mouth, and she's got to turn the page
0: and she licks her finger and turn the page. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. They said people touch their face like a thousand times a day on average. And when I was trying not to do it at the conference, I was realizing how much I touch my face. You we know, need to all wear cones of shame. Well, you know, they say the masks don't really help because if it gets in your eyes, you're done too, right? So they say the masks don't help, but the masks would probably help you touch your face less. You know, I it,
3: told you the 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 my my friend who's a flight attendant said that there was a guy with a mask on wearing swim goggles <laughs> on the plane. <laughs>
0: So now California, Santa Clara County, and the Silicon Valley announced they're banning gatherings over a thousand people or more. Again, I'm with you. I don't I don't I don't get that. And then can, you've can heard, you yes, play my,
3: can I yeah. do my daily Winnie? Let me do my daily Winnie.
0: Oh, it fits in here? Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 All right, hold on. Let me uh...
3: Okay, so I have a horse for sale. His name is Drax, his race name is Nuisance, and he is the calmest, quietest five year old off the tractor, but he loves dressage. I haven't jumped in much because he's grown so expert. Like, so he's like one of those, I like, like his butt's high one day and then his withers are high the next day. So I haven't jumped in much, but he is super quiet. He pops over cross rails. He is like just a lovely horse. And I have somebody who is in Texas that has been messaging me about him. I was gone over the weekend. She asked for. Uh, for me to hold him for her for first ride right of refusal. If somebody else comes along before she can get from Texas all the way up to, I've sent her videos of tacking him, of bridling, of brushing, of grooming, of feet picking, of riding, of, of forwards, backwards, over fences, everything possible. This woman has been wearing me out and she's supposed to come today to yeah. see him yeah. coming from Tyler, Texas today to see him. And I get a message last night that she is canceling visiting him because of the coronavirus. Was
0: she taking a bus?
3: (laughs) I don't know. She's like somebody was positive in the Walmart in Dallas, and so now I'm not coming to see him. I'm like,
0: excuse me, the person at the Walmart.
3: Are you? You don't even live in Dallas. (laughs) You live two hours away from Dallas. So yes. The coronavirus has canceled somebody coming to my house. Is it me? Do I look sick?
0: Do oh, I smell your husband's that? A pilot? What's going on? But she doesn't know that.
3: She doesn't know that? She's a total stranger. I've just bent over backwards. I, I, you know what? Don't lie to me. If you don't like the horse, just say, I. you know what? Not interested. Give me some coronavirus is keeping you from coming to try a horse. Who are you kidding? What? A, <laughs> either that's true and she's crazy, or she didn't like the horse, which either way, I don't really want you here anyway. <laughs> so, it's fine. It's fine.
0: By the way, she does have a horse named Jax for Sale. <laughs> yes, I do have a
3: horse named Jacks for Sale. He is lovely, 16'2", five-year-old, thoroughbred gelding, and he is super calm. He'd be a great horse for a teenager learning. I mean, he's like, More, you have to really push him to keep him going, and he doesn't run away. He's not super
0: fast, and
3: uh, yeah, he's lovely. Fifty five hundred. He may have a runny
0: nose and a fever, but you know that. Don't worry about that. He's
3: got the coronavirus, (laughs) but other than that, he's totally fine. (laughs)
0: So we're going to keep an eye on this for you. I'm going to do posts over in Horses in the Morning. You know, what's funny is my personal page got a ton of shares. I think people in the horse world were just looking for somebody to gather some information and put it all in one place. So like we did during the WEG hurricane coverage, uh, we became the authority of hurricanes for some reason. We're going to become the authority on uh, coronavirus uh, with the horse world. Dr. Jimenez, you remember Dr. Jimenez, uh, who? By the
3: way, all this talk, and I just bit my nail my fingernail. See, it's impossible. Because <laughs> I
0: bite my nail. It's impossible. So Dr. Jimenez used to be on this show a lot. Yeah, actually, she's come on once a month talking about horse disaster preparedness and everything. She's kind of the resident expert on that in the country. Everybody knows Dr. Jimenez. She's going to come on yes. a Facebook Live tonight at 8 p.m. with me on the Horses in the Morning page, Facebook Live. You'll find it there. On what you should do to prepare your barn or facility, what she's worried about is not necessarily people dying, but you get really sick with this i mean you get really sick and what she's worried about is people not having a plan in place to take care of their horses or if or or if somebody becomes quarantined so let's say the caregiver at the barn gets it now nobody can come to the barn so do they have plans in place to for taking care of the horses how's that going to happen when when the barn gets it so it's something that you know i never thought about that before dr jimenez brought it up but then she's the one that's supposed to worry about this stuff for us and Tell us well, about it. we have her. That's why she's coming on tonight with me live on Facebook. And I think what we'll do is we'll take that audio and put it out as a special Horses in the Morning tomorrow morning so that everybody can hear it if you missed it, because I think it is an important message. So thank you to Dr. Jimenez for that. Please join us and please ask any questions. You'll be able to ask questions as we're talking, and we're, we're going to try and do this more often as we get down the line. All right. Let me take a breath and do this. Can I tell you a happy story about a nice kid? Let me tell you a happy story about a nice kid. His yes, name please. is Jason Kimberly. Lisa Dow, one of our auditors, sent this to me, and I love this story. He's 13 years old, and he is collecting—he's from Texas—he is collecting rescue and shelter T-shirts from all over the world. And and what he's doing is he's asking these rescues to send him shirts, and he takes one of the shirts, and he's been wearing a different rescue shirt to school every day. So he's raising awareness for rescues and shelters, for dogs mainly, or anything. He really doesn't care. And he's been wearing, he's been doing this now uh, for 96 days. And he's had a different shirt for 96 days. That's how many shirts he's getting. But the cool thing he's doing, one, he's raising awareness. Obviously, we're talking about it. But with the other shirt, the reason he's asking for two is he's having T-shirt quilts made. And in June of every year, he'll draw names from participating rescues and shelters and pin a name on each quilt, and he plans to auction the quilts. And give the money to that particular rescue. And when you look, he, there's a picture on his Facebook page of the quilts. They are really cool because he takes the monogram part of the shirt and he quilts it. Or they quilt it into this quilt. It is so cool looking. So he's really doing good work. He's out there trying to help the doggies and cats and everybody at rescues. And uh, he's he, it was his own idea, and apparently he's been doing it for a year now. Uh, for 96 days at school. Uh, and you can go to his Facebook page. He posts a picture every day of which shirt he's wearing. And apparently he's been flooded with shirts. So uh, what a cool kid. What a, what a creative outside-the-box idea. And, and he must know people that quilt. It's the other thing. Because I wouldn't be able to do the quilting part. Yeah. You'd have to sure you do. and I would good not job. make a good quilt. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that a cool story?
3: Yes. Very
0: cool. I'll post a link to his Facebook page. You can go look at his shirts and him and his quilt and the good work he's doing over there in Texas. Well, I'm worn out. This was an emotional day. But we're going to hang yes. around a little bit with the auditors and talk some more. So, auditors, hold on. Tomorrow we have uh, Jennifer and Mary Kitzmiller talking horse training. No talk about illicit drugs or uh, coronavirus tomorrow. And then we're back with some, some really bad ads on Friday. We have more great prizes this month to give away. So, definitely get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. You have anything else?
3: I think we got it.
0: All right, good. We're tired. We got it back. <laughs>
3: Nuter Geld, don't forget.